Here comes chapter one coming at you. Uh, here's the thing. We have done chapter one uh, as a body, but we did it on different platforms. We did chapter one, I think, on like Instagram Live or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, we tried a few different platforms before we landed on podcast. Yeah, we did Instagram and Zoom and... <laughs> And then we decided podcast would be better. So yes. We could just listen to it in cars and stuff. So because of that, uh, it seems like we just started it in the middle of the book, like chapter three. Is that where we started on yeah. podcast? Yeah. So uh, so I don't know if you're listening to this later on in time. Uh, if you are. Um, we finna run it back. Yep. And uh, yeah, so if you're listening to this in the present, though. Here's chapter one. You're welcome. This is this is how it all starts off. Usually the first chapter is how a book begins. So Chapter One of The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. God, we pray that you would speak to us deeply through the words of this uh this man Tozer. Yep. If you want to skip the reading. Oh, right, 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 right. If you want to skip the reading and go straight to the discussion, you can go to this time that Kevin will edit in. 15 minutes, 30 seconds. Can you make Alien say it? I'll do my best. All right, Kevin. <laughs> You're incredible, man. That's okay. probably just going to sound like a robot. <laughs> Sweet, let's read. Chapter 1, Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer. Following hard after God. My soul has followed hard after thee. My right hand, or thy right hand, has upheld me. Psalm 68. (laughs) Psalm, sorry, Psalm 63, 8. (laughs) Christian theology teaches the doctrine of prevenient grace, which briefly stated means this, that before a man can seek God, God must first have sought the man. Before a sinful man, can think a right thought of God, there must have been a work of enlightenment done within him. It may be imperfect, uh, but it is a true work nonetheless, and is the secret cause of all desiring and seeking and praying which may follow. We pursue God uh, because, and only because, he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. No one can come to me said our Lord, unless the Father who has sent me draws him. And it is by this very prevenient drawing that God takes from us every vestige of credit for the act of coming. The impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. And all the time we are pursuing him, we are already in his hand. Thy right hand has upheld me. In this divine upholding, the human following, uh, there is no contradiction. All is of God, for as von Hugel teaches, God is always previous. In practice, however, uh, that is where God's pre- uh, previous working meets man's present response, man must pursue God. On our part, there must be positive reciprocation if this secret drawing of God is to eventuate an identifiable experience of the divine. 
in the warm language of personal feeling. This is stated in the 42nd Psalm. As the heart pants after thee, uh, after the water brooks, so does my soul pant after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This is deep calling unto deep, and the longing heart will understand it. The doctrine of justification by faith, a biblical truth, and a blessed relief from uh, sterile legalism and unavailable self-effort has in our time fallen into evil company and been interrupted by many such manner as actually to bar men from the knowledge of God. The whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless. Faith may now be exercised without a jar to the moral life uh, and without embarrassment to the idemic ego. Christ may be received, in quotation marks, without creating any special love for him in the spirit uh, of the receiver. The man is quote-unquote saved, but he is not hungry or thirsty after God. In fact, he is specifically taught to be satisfied and encouraged to be content with little. The modern scientist has lost God amidst the wonders of his world. We Christians are in real danger of losing God amid the wonders of his word. We have almost forgotten that God is a spirit and as such can be cultivated as a person can. For we are spirit. So God created man in his own own image. In the image of God, he created him. Genesis 1.27a It is inherent in personality to be able to know other personalities. But full knowledge of one personality by another cannot be achieved uh, in one encounter. It is only after long and loving mental interchange that uh, the full possibilities of both can be explored. All social interchange between human and uh, human beings is a response of personality to personality, grading upward. Uh, from the most casual brush between man and man to the fullest, most intimate communion of which the spirit is capable. Religion, so far as it is genuine, is in essence the response of created personalities to the creating personality, God. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. In the deep of his mighty nature, God thinks, wills, enjoys, feels, loves, desires, and suffers as any other personality may. In making himself known to us, he stays by the familiar pattern of personality. He communicates with us through uh, the avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. The continuous and un embarrassed interchange of love uh, and thought between God and the spirit of the redeemed man is the throbbing heart of the New Testament religion. This interchange between God and our spirit is known to us in conscious personal awareness. It is personal. That is, it does not come through the body of believers as such, uh, but is known to the individual and to the body through the individuals which compose it. And it is conscious. That is, 
It does not stay below the threshold of consciousness and work there unknown to the soul. As for instance, infant baptism is thought by some to do, uh, but comes within the field of awareness where the man can know, quote-unquote know, uh, it as he knows any other fact or experience, or fact of experience. You and I are in little degree, uh, except for our sins, what God is in large degree. Being made in His image, we have within us the capacity to know Him. In our sins, we lack only the power. The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life in regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. That is the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. Yeah, without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. It is, however, not an end, but an inception. For now begins the glorious pursuit, the heart's happy exploration of the infinite reaches of the Godhead. That is where we begin, I say. But where we stop, no man has yet discovered. For there is neither limit nor end to the awful and mysterious depths of the triune God. Shoreless ocean, who can sound thee? Thine own eternity is round thee, majesty divine. Oh, you're looking at me. To have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified and happy experienced by the children of the burning heart. St. Bernard stated this holy paradox in a musical quatrain that will be instantly understood by every worshiping soul. We taste thee, O thou loving We taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. Come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him, they prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out, and when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long seeking. Moses used the fact that he knew God as an argument for knowing him better. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee that I may find grace in thy sight. And from there he rose to make the daring request, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. God was frankly pleased by this display of ardor, and the next day called Moses into the mount, and there in solemn procession made all his glory pass before him. David's life was a torrent of spiritual desire, and his psalms ring with the cry of the seeker and the glad shout of the finder. Paul confessed, the mainspring of his life to be his burning desire after Christ, that I may know him, was the goal of his heart, and to this he sacrificed everything. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but refuse, that I may win Christ. Hymnody is sweet with a longing after God, the God whom, while the singer seeks, he knows he has already found. 
His track I see and I'll pursue, sang our fathers only a short generation ago, but that song is heard no more in the great congregation. How tragic that we in this dark day have had our seeking done for us by our teachers. Everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ, a term incidentally which is not found in the Bible. And we are not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our souls. We have been snared in the coils of a spurious logic which insists that if we have found him, we need no more seek him. This is set for before us as the last word in orthodoxy, and it is taken for granted that no Bible-taught Christian ever believed otherwise. Thus, the whole testimony of worshiping, seeking, singing church on that subject is crisply set aside. The experiential heart theology of a grand army of fragrant saints is rejected in favor of a smug interpretation of Scripture, which would certainly have sounded strange to an Augustine a Rutherford, or a Brainerd. In the midst of this great chill, there are some, I rejoice to acknowledge, who will not be content with shallow logic. They will admit the force of the argument and then turn away with tears to hunt some lonely place and pray, O oh God, show me thy glory. I want. They want to taste, to touch with their hearts, to see with their inner eyes the wonder that is God. I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us to our present low estate. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency, complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present, or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long, in vain. Every age has its own characteristic. Right now, we are in an age of religious complexity. The simplicity which is in Christ is rarely found among us. In its stead are programs, methods, organizations, and a world of nervous activities which occupy time and attention but can never satisfy the longing of the heart. The shallowness of our inner experience, the hollowness of our worship, and the servile Im imitation of the world which marks our promotional methods all testify that we, in this day, know God only imperfectly, and that the peace of God scarcely at all. If we would find God amid the religious externals, we must, find, uh, we must first determine to find him, and then proceed in the way of simplicity. Now, as always, God reveals himself to babes and hides himself in thick darkness from the wise and the prudent. We must simplify our approach to him. We must strip down to essentials, and they will be found to be blessedly few. We must put away all effort to impress and come with the, guile, uh, with the guileless candor of childhood. If we do this, without doubt, God will quickly respond. When religion has said its last words, there is little that we need other than God himself. The evil, evil habit of seeking God and effectively... Uh, God and. Yeah, the evil habit of seeking God and effectively prevents us from finding God in full revelation. In the and lies our great woe. If we omit the and, and shall soon find, we shall soon find God. 
and in him we shall find that for which we have all our lives been secretly longing. We need not fear that in seeking God only we may narrow uh, that in seeking we need not fear that in seeking God only we may narrow our lives or restrict the motions of our expanding hearts. The opposite the opposite is true. We can well afford to make God our all, to concentrate, to sacrifice the many for the one. The author of the quaint old English classic, The Cloud of Unknowing, teaches us how to do this. Lift up thine heart unto God with a meek stirring of love, and mean himself and none of his, and none of his goods, and thereto look thee loath to think on aught but God himself. Uh, so that not work in thy wit, nor that, uh, nor in thy will, but only God Himself. This is the work of the soul that most pleases God. Amen. Again, we He recommends that in prayer we practice a further stripping down of everything, even of our theology, for it suffice suffice sufficeth enough a naked intent direct and unto God without any other cause than himself. Yet underneath all his thinking lay the broad foundation of New Testament truth. For he explains that by himself he means God that made thee and bought thee and that graciously called thee to thy degree. And he is all for simplicity. If we would have religion lapped and folded in one word, for that thou shouldest have better hold thereupon. Take thee but a little word of one syllable, for it is, uh, it is better than of two. For even the shorter it is, the better it accordeth with the work of the Spirit. And such a word is the word God, or this word, love. When the Lord divined, when the Lord divided, Canaan among the tribes of Israel, Levi received no share of the land. God said to him simply, I am thy part and thine inheritance, and by those words made him richer than all his brethren, richer than all the kings and princes who have ever lived in the world. And there is the spiritual principle here, a principle still valid for every priest of the Most High God. A man who has God for his treasure has all things in one, Many ordinary treasures may be denied him, or if he is allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. Or if he must see them go, one after one, he will scarcely feel, feel a sense of loss. For having the source of all things, he has in one all satisfaction, all pleasure, all delight. Whatever he may lose, he has actually lost nothing, for he has, uh, for he has now, for he now has it all in one, and he has it purely, legitimately, and forever. Do you want to finish with the prayer? Sure. Well, God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing 
I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee, that I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Do you guys have ears to hear and eyes to see when we read through this? I did. I thought you were asking our audience. No, I was asking you guys, but but hopefully they will ask themselves. Ask yourself. Worry about yourself. (laughs) There's a video of this little girl. You know how the internet is. It has all these videos. But she's a real little girl, and her dad's trying to help her. And she goes, worry about yourself. And so me and Lauren have been saying that to each other for years. <laughs> she's like this tiny little girl. Worry about yourself. I haven't seen it. It's awesome. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, did you guys have eyes to see and ears to hear? What did God teach you? Yeah, I did. There's something I noticed. Uh it's it's funny, like this book's old enough that it's been translated. Yes. Um, you were reading, Pierce, you were reading a an updated version. A very updated version. Yes. Kevin has read Intercourse is what you're gonna refer yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. And that it seemed like Kevin Kevin had been reading in other chapters mm-hmm. an updated version, but not nearly as updated as that. It would just be one or two words. But that one actually reframed sentences. Oh wow. Uh because I was trying to follow along, and I'm like, you totally missed words, or like added in scripture where yeah. he didn't previously write scripture. I don't know, but yeah, but yeah where yours says, uh, inter, yeah, interaction, or it doesn't say that, but let me see. Yeah, the old one uses intercourse, uh, which is mine says like intimate interaction or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yours was like, it was an I word, I think. Let's see here. Go to page like... uh, (laughs) Interchange. Interchange. So you'll use interchange, which for me is something that happens on the highway. Indeed. Uh, What he's talking about is is like intercourse, like not like sexual intercourse because that's sexual intercourse, but intercourse between personalities is the way that like two, that two beings become one in their like in their emotion in their meaning in their like depth of depth of knowing one another it only happens through an intimate thing that yeah, happens you, whenever they are fully uh invested in one another that are fully um vulnerable to one another that are, yeah. they've completely like laid themselves bare and taken down all walls uh and like join together in an action or join together in some sort of like giving and taking or really just giving and giving of oneself to the other fully. And like, that's the only way. And that's a beautiful picture of what like intercourse ought to be like in a marriage because a husband and a wife get to know each other real good. Uh, Emphasis on the good. What do you mean? (laughs) They get to know each other real good. Uh, 
in that, but it's like a that that's like the perfect picture. That's why God made it that way. That way, it's a perfect picture for how it is with the Spirit and how it is with the Lord. That we get to like join with Him and know Him completely whenever we choose to like lay ourselves bare before Him because He's yeah. already done that for us. Yeah. And so I I like the old translation. Yeah. I like the way yeah. that Tozer uses that word because it like it has this whole nother like deeper seven layer dip to it. Yes, yeah. You find out what God meant. About yeah, it is, at its core, the word just means like an exchange, you know? It's like, it, but just, it was used in the English language way different. Uh, like, it was used more commonly. And now, basically, the only time we use the word intercourse is talking about sexual intercourse. But it always used to be referred to as sexual intercourse because mm-hmm. it had to have the, uh, the word sexual attached to it so that people would know. But you can have emotional intercourse. Uh, and intellectual intercourse is kind of what Noah was referring to, of like the the relational side of it. Um, and he, that's really kind of what he's talking about, is engaging God with our mind uh, and our emotions and our will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's good. Yeah, what, how did it hit you, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I mean, I felt this way whenever I read this the first time, like, this read through and now reading through it again of just like just felt challenged in my desire for God and yes. like how uh, how much do I desire God and I think even one of the lines I think that stuck out to me is uh, I may not be able to find it very quickly but um, he said like what a shame that we have our seeking done for us by our um, how tragic that we in this dark day have our seeking done for us by our teachers. Mm. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And so then, like, the the challenge to me is, do I, like, do I, how, how do I, do I read, honestly, do I read more books about the Bible than I read the Bible? Mm. Uh, stuff like that. Do I read the Word and do I, like, reflect on it? And like, it's good. And then, yeah. And then also just the whole chapter just challenged me in yes. like my desire for God is so little Yes. and he deserves so much more. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Or do I, do I listen to more sermons than I actually read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We live in a day and age where we have access to so much uh, of other people's digestion of the word of God and so much to other people's like we can look into other people's relationships with God. Like even what we're doing here is crazy. You would never be able to listen to three men talk unless you're actually sitting in the room with those three men a mm-hmm. hundred years ago, yeah. right? Uh, but like we have access to that now. And so people are getting, we're going to give them a little peek into our intercourse with God, right? Mm-hmm. When we talk about what God's teaching us through this and our relationships with him. And we have been, that's what this podcast is. But there was a time where you can only get that if you actually sat with people. And if you really wanted to know God uh, and even know his word, then you had to go and yeah, climb the mountain or so. There's a man, there's a, uh, there's a man from Crossit, Arkansas, where I grew up. He doesn't currently live there, but he's an old, old cowboy named Dirk Lawhon. Dirk, if you ever listen to this, I love you so much, man. But uh, this chapter made me think of him several times. He... Grew up real rough and uh, grew up rodeoing and pursuing kind of the cowboy lifestyle. 
and uh but and because of that he didn't put he didn't put a high value on education so he didn't know how to read uh he learned how to read after finding Jesus and he learned how to read by reading the King James Bible <laughs> as long as it took for him to understand it that's pretty powerful to me yeah uh and you can see it in his life he has a furious longing for God He's so passionate for Jesus, and because of that, he loves people so well. He loves Jesus so much. He understands so deeply how good God is to give him the grace that he's been given and to love him the way that he's been loved. And in return, he lo- he gives God, I think, more of a measure of love that he deserves than I do, you know? Mm-hmm. So reading through this book from a smart man named A.W. Tozer made me think of Brother Dirk. And how much he loves God. He's loved God in front of me and how much he's loved me. And I know it's because he's loved God a lot behind my back where I couldn't see it, you know. Yeah. So I think this is really challenging for me personally. Uh, like you said, Kevin, it's like I can't tell you how many times I've read this chapter and it still just punches me in the gut. Because what it's talking about is the most important thing is what you have with God. Is it real or is it just religious? And we we have we've we've made we've made christianity into a machine nowadays to where we can plug ourselves into the machine uh and we can look like everything's okay you know and like kind of it's always been like that the prophets would uh the prophets would critique the people of god in the old testament for similar things and yeah. then jesus would critique the pharisees for similar things uh but it's a trap that we can certainly fall into what he's beckoning us to here is it. If we can really find God for ourselves, it'll 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 do it for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll it'll satisfy us in a way that nothing else can. It'll give us eternal life in a way that nothing else can. It will grow us in a way that nothing else can. It'll develop our our little personalities uh, to be more like the big personality. The more time that you spend with God, like you, you are what you eat, you know, uh, you are, you become the company that you keep. And so the people who keep close company with God, you can really see it on their lives. Yeah. This that he's talking about is the thing that has changed my life more than anything. Uh, y- yesterday I'll end, I'll end with this and then we'll, we'll take a break and, and we'll come back and give our general overview. But yesterday, uh, I was thinking about a character trait. That uh, that through the years people people would would talk about this character trait that they saw on me, uh, and it's a positive one. And they would say, "Oh man, the first time I met you, this is what I saw. This, this, and this, and they like this positive character trait." And for some reason, I was thinking about it, and it is uh, no, it's not for some reason. It's because I was praying it over someone. I was like, "God, I pray that this person would have this thing." Mm-hmm. I know I'm being general, but whatever. Uh, but I was praying it over this person. I was like. God, how can I help this person get this thing? And then I thought about uh, how people had complimented me on this certain thing. Uh, and what hit me is, I wish I would have said to those people when they complimented me, is, you know how, you know, th- this isn't from me. Mm. This was given to me by God. Yeah. And it was from a lot of time spent in my room by myself with God. Mm. I'm just going to tell you what it is. It was confidence. Uh 
that like I like especially when I came into college my my freshman year, people would be like, "Man, I don't see how you have so much confidence." And I and I wish I would have said to them, "It has nothing to do with me. It's from a lot of time spent alone with my father." Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, yeah, and I just I just know that I don't value this for one the way that Tozer challenges us to, definitely not the way that God deserves. I don't even value it the way that I did back then. I don't even value it the way that I did when I was a young believer. And so uh, I want the garden, the secret place, the abiding place, whatever you want to call it, the bedroom, whatever you want to call it. I want it yeah. to be highly, highly valued in my life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this thing challenges me. It hasn't even been that long ago since I've read yeah. it, you know. Feel the same. So, yeah, we're going to take a short break. We're going to have some beautiful music, uh, and then we're going to come right back and give more of a general like overview and outlook on the chapter, and uh, we're going to kind of discuss that with each other, how we want to attack that, and we'll see you guys in a few segundos. All right. Well, uh, we had an awesome break. Uh, got a lot done. And uh, we talked a lot, and so we kind of, we kind of wanted to just give a, a good overview of like kind of what the the points that he was really trying to get at, um, and then we we also st- we still want to explore the repercussions yeah. in our personal lives because of that. So he kind of starts off by saying like no one can come to God unless God calls them, uh, and and so that they, that even means that God gets the gets the credit for like our pursuit of him and we only pursue him because he first pursues us right uh and then and that's kind of the uh the way that the bible talks about the sovereignty of god in in the grace that he gives us uh but he also is saying that like there's this paradox of love where we only love because god loves us first but also it's kind of a paradox because we only come because god calls but we still have to pursue him mm-hmm. we, ha- we still have to choose him and pursue him and actively go after him yeah uh, and really he's trying to tell us that that's where that's where all the bread and butter is like that's where mm. that's the good stuff uh and how he, he points out how like it's it was true in his day and it may even be more so true in our day uh about how the things of even of faith had become shallow and mechanized to where yeah. uh to where it was like you just kind of had to plug in and and do the religious thing or you had to say a prayer and then but then kind of once you get saved in quotation marks as, as he had it uh then then like there's no real pursuit of god after that but he's saying like no actually the pursuit of god is the whole point of the thing you know mm-hmm. uh and that's where that's where the real eternal life comes from is in your pursuit of him uh what's the other points that we talked about um i can't remember but i did have a thought about yeah go ahead. Uh, Whenever you're talking about, um, it's sort of it's become mechanized, and a lot of modern. We were talking with a church planner in Texas last week, I think, but he was talking about basically like even in the way that a lot of times we think about what makes a healthy church, we don't necessarily put God in the equation. A lot of times we think about like, oh, what kind of style is the worship? What kind of, yeah. what is your like welcoming team during on a Sunday morning? What yeah. is, what is like, how does this thing in that work? Uh, but 
how often do we think about like how much time did you invest in like praying mm. and how much time did you like really um seek God's face and yes. like is like is this God's plan yes uh but so often we and I, I'm guilty of it too you know like go to like well, what what style music can we have that would retain the most people? What kind yeah. of thing yeah. could we do yeah. here that would retain the most people? Yes, and we become like, um, yeah, become more of a of a concert than a like a worship. Yeah. So, hmm. anyway, that was just a thought I had, but that's what it reminded me of whenever it was talking about like m- everything sort of more mechanical, more not as like uh, organic with the spirit, but yes. more like equations and. Uh, those sort of thought processes sort of have begun to invade, I would say, all of our thoughts in a way. Yes, for sure. But that was just sort of a much more broad thought above, like, I'm not really planting a church at the moment. I am, in a way. I'm, like, planting a church on the campus. Yes. But, yeah. But, um, but yeah, not that anyone listening to this is planting a church right now, but I think that yeah, but they, that they thought process but you can, but you can see it too, though. Yeah. Like, like what you're pointing out is clearly seen, you know, and that's one reason why Tozer's words are so powerful is because he, like, he, he points out these things that we all kind of intuitively feel, mm-hmm. but that we don't know how to, like, point them out and articulate them. And he articulates them for the purpose of, like, of not falling into that trap, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I definitely think that, that that's worth pointing out, Kevin. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, he he uh, he he talks about how God is a personality, mm-hmm. uh, and is a person like, and so he he can be known, uh, and he and he 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 says God, and he also like makes sure to say triune God uh, at different times. Like we know that uh, that there is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and in in those those working together uh, in a great mystery to be different but one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like I love, I just love the Bible and the purposeful paradoxes that are put there mm-hmm. that just show you like that you can't put God in your own boxes. Yeah. You know? um, but he, he kind of makes sure to say that, I think because like there's something in getting to know the Godhead uh, and an intimacy that's there and a way of knowing God and there's something to be pursued there. And it kind of, just that, just that in itself just shows you there's so much to be pursued of him. Uh, and like you can never tap God out, right? There's no, uh, there's no bottom to it. Yeah. Like we'll be con- con- pursuing him and consuming uh, and, and going after him for the rest of our lives. And we'll still have so much further to go, you know? Yeah. And, and, what a lot of people believe of eternity is that that that's what makes eternity so awesome is that we get to continue to explore the mystery of God yeah uh, that is so beautiful and so good and so rich and is bottomless for us yeah the image of like the in the poem shoreless shoreless ocean who can sound thee mm. it's like think about that think about mm. an ocean without any shores yeah it's like Imagine I've never thought of God that way. Mm. Like who knows how many times I've read this, but like like you can't get across it. <laughs> like and you can't you probably yeah. can't get to the bottom of it either. Yeah. And like th- where do you start? Cuz you're not on the shore, like you're already immersed in it. Like how do you Yeah, it's just wild to think about God that way. But even then like I could think of like I see like this like pursuit of God I don't know. I've just been I've been kind of stuck on that, on that poem since 
kind of since we read it. Yeah. And like thinking about what a sailor must think whenever he's like, like drawn to the ocean. Yes. Or, or like, like, or I think about like Lewis and Clark, like trying to, trying to find a sea route across the United States or, or to the Pacific ocean or, or whatever. And like, I'm like, what, what must have been in their mind? Like, to like try something so big and yeah. like how come how come men are like so drawn to do things that are that are that are actually insane that like people will run a hundred miles in a day or or on end or or will like Swim really hurt day. ourselves or do these like great feats. Yeah. But yeah. but whenever it comes to the Lord, like that who is actually drawing us who like he is the ocean that is actually calling to us that we don't just have a fascination with it when we see it like oh i gotta get across that to conquer it or or i have this incentive from my president to find a sea route to the pacific like economically that'd be great but the god that like he he's incredible and he's actually calling to us but men yeah constantly like refuse to explore him yeah or he's the only one that's actually worthy of those efforts as well yeah and yeah so it like that's like that confounds me that he's that he is the shoreless ocean like he is the great adventure that is actually calling back to us and saying like no please explore me but he's ignored so much yeah uh and he's like yeah, he, like like that that offer is refused so many times. I don't really have yeah. an answer. I'm just saying. Like, no, he's he's viewed just as like a a theology to be thought about. Yes, an idea to to or mm. a set of beliefs to 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 uphold to. Right. Yeah. He's not viewed as like he's trying to make make us like really get it into our brains. He is a personality that can be known, mm. and he and he makes sure to point to point out like you can't know a person by one one exchange with them. Like yeah. w- when you first meet somebody, you don't walk away going, "I know that person and know everything about them," you know. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's lots of it, like lots of interactions over a long period of time that help you to actually get to know the personality of someone. Yeah, and like think about being around Jesus. Like Jesus really, I think, exemplified this. It's like people left being like, "What? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Who yeah. and what is this?" Mm-hmm. You know, like. Uh, like just being confounded by him and his personality and the people who actually would like pursue relationship with him and push into him were the people that actually got to know him. And the Bible says that he actually hid himself from others. Yeah, this is this is one of those things I think is really cool. The the Bible says that uh yeah, it's the glory of of God to hide a thing and it's the mm-hmm. glory of kings to, to seek it out to seek it out uh i thought i was i was i was sure that i was gonna miss misquote that but no, maybe we did it uh yeah but i think that truth is so is so powerful and is also like it has so much potential to change us in the way that we live our lives and pursue god will you hear this that like god is a personality he's not a set of beliefs that you ascribe to he's a personality that can be known and how much of your effort and your time do you put into knowing him? Mm. Complacency is a deadly foe 
of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long, in vain. Yeah, and so this is the thing that Tozer is trying to wake up inside of us, is a fire that wants to pursue God, is a fire that says no matter what it takes, I will, I will do whatever I have to to know you, God to be near to you. No matter what I have to sacrifice, I'll do what it takes to be near to you. If we could live this way, then we would actually start to change the world. You know, if we could live this way, then Christ would actually be known by us and then be known to others through us. We talked about... um, How about that pursuit... Uh, the that you're talking about that we've been talking about is well, Tuzzer says like whenever he wrote this in like what the fifties, early fifties, that he lives. In, I forgot what words he used, but he's saying that what words does he use? Because we ended up calling it still not following you. You're talking about the microwave generation. Yeah, the mi- yeah, but he he used a different. Use some different words, and I'm having trouble finding it. I can't remember. Did he did he say directly a phrase, or did he just sort of like talk about like how the seeking is done on behalf? Yes, of yes, yes. Where yeah. he he basically says like the it's it's said that our seeking, all of our seeking, is being done by our teachers, mm-hmm. not by us ourselves, and that. Like he said that we live in a religious era that 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 happens a lot, and that people people aren't actually hungry for knowing God, but they're okay with a mechanized being yeah. part of like a system. And what I was saying, and what I think we kind of came to, is that like that that isn't any less true today. Yeah, and I would definitely say it's even even worse. Kevin used the phrase. Mike, we 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 live in a microwave generation, or maybe beyond that, where if something if something isn't quick and if it doesn't satisfy our desire, um, at least on a surface ver- level, like very quickly, without like a lot of cost, then we'll really refuse it, and we'll we'll either take something more basic of it just to like satiate or like little bit of thirst. Or like we'll just go to something else, and and like for that reason, for that reason, people don't actually find God. Yeah. They they end up finding like something to make them feel good, or something to like get them over until next Sunday, or or Wednesday or Monday night, you know, um, or until until D group after service or whatever, you know. So. Uh, you could say this isn't a microwave generation. It's a TikTok generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say a Vine generation, but it's no longer a Vine generation. (laughs) We are not really part of this TikTok generation at this point. Yeah. But the same principle applies to us. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No, I'm not not saying that I'm I'm any, like, protected from it, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I think that, Kevin, you you really pointed out well how you, you said 
people really can't even read now uh, yeah, because yeah. of our yeah. attention spans and like yeah. how a lot of people will go their whole life and never finish a book. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who claim to love Jesus and to have given their life to him will not even finish his book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hanging with somebody that I really love and respect. Uh, and it was, you know, and I love, like, I, I love him and I've loved to watch his pursuit of God. Uh, but something he said really it may, this this chapter made me think of it, and mm-hmm. what you're saying made me think of it, and it really bothered me. And I should have said something to him in the moment, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. But here's what he said: He was talking about how he's talking about a particular story in the Bible where uh, where Paul it's in the end of Acts where Paul uh, is shipwrecked, and then he washes up on an island, and then he gets snake bit. But then through the snake bite, the the whole island comes to know Jesus. Yeah, uh, and so he was saying like. Man, nobody ever talks about how the island gets to know Jesus. I didn't even know that because whenever somebody talks about it, they just talk about the hardships that he goes through and that like that he just got shipwrecked and and then even after being shipwrecked, snake snake bit, you know. Also, and he was like kind of waging a, a complaint against all of the preachers in his life. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, read the book. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you didn't know? Yeah. Because no one preached it to you. Like, like at some point. It's there's Romans there's Romans ten that says how can they know unless someone preaches, but at some point once you know the gospel and you have a Bible in your hand, yeah. you have to read it. Yeah, you know, like you have to. There has to be a pursuit on your own part, and it was very telling, not just of him because like, and this is what it made me think. I'm like, man, if you see things that way, and you have mm-hmm. more of a pursuit of God than a lot of people that I know. If you see things that way, then how much does do the rest of us see things that way? Where like yeah. we would blame our lack of knowing God on someone else mm. whenever we've been, whenever, especially we in the American church, there are people, like, I know people that long for a, a translation of the Bible in their own language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I personally know people that like, that just want a Bible that they can actually understand deeply. Yeah. Uh, and we in America have hundreds of literally hundreds of English translations Yeah. that we get to choose from which translation we like the most. Mm-hmm. And then we have the we have the audacity to complain about how like you know somebody didn't tell me this and that you know and so like it's not it's no offense against the person but it was just telling of yeah, art sure. of us yeah. of heart, who we who we become as a, as a yeah. as an American church you know yeah. of like bro we've we've got to we've got to find a role like burning passion and love for Jesus that pushes us to want to know Him and not settle until we do and not settle until we have the real thing. Yeah, this is what changed my life, y'all. Like, I know I've said this all throughout the book, but, like, this is what changed my life, is when somehow I got lit up with something to where I was like, forget everything else. Like, I don't care about anything else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, all I want is to know Jesus. And it's like I said earlier, like, that confidence that I was, uh, that, that people were asking me about, it came from a lot of time spent alone with God in pursuing Him. Uh, and growing in that way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. It's it's it can't be replaced either with time spent with people. Yeah, it can't. You know, like I was asking somebody, I was like, "How do you grow spiritually?" And like, "How do you grow closer to God?" And he was like, "Really didn't want to answer, but when he did, it was community." Yeah. And I was like, "That's great." But there's got to be something more than that. Because what happens when you don't have community? 
And he's like, well, so far in my life, I've fallen apart. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm like, well, that's very uh, perceptive of you. I you go, know, like I at go least home for the summer. And yeah, I'm at least suffering. you're willing to admit that. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, now yeah. you're identifying the problem, but but this is the problem. And and the thing is, we have so many other distractions that are always pulling at us, trying to pull us away from knowing the personality of God. Yes. And why would we give our time and attention to anything else? Mm-hmm. We were talking about this earlier, off of off of like the recording, but. The first question, uh, the first thing that Jesus says in the Gospel of John, and this is John who's trying to give more than any more than any other gospel writer. He actually was there with Jesus, so he's trying to give the personality of Jesus and the kind of the. But the first question that John shows Jesus asking is, "What do you want?" I love that. He turns around to these two men who had been disciples of John, who were following him. Uh, to try to to try to be maybe be disciples of him, and they ended up being, but he turns around and he says, "What do you want?" And what they say is, "Where are you staying?" <laughs> and so it's cool. I think they wanted the right thing. They wanted to stay with him. Yeah, I want to be with you. And what he what he ends up saying is, "Abide in me." By the end of his book. Oh yeah. And his, so they're saying, "Where do you abide?" That's where I want to go, and I want to go to your abode and abide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what he just says, he just, he doesn't give him an answer. Doesn't give him an address. He says. Come and you will see. Yeah. Just That's tag really along. Cool. Just tag along and you'll see. And the book of John's full of that stuff, dude. Like we're yeah. barely cracking that thing yeah. open. Like yeah. it's yeah. full of like, bro, like just some deep stuff. Yeah, bro, if you bro. were in services two years ago, we like stayed on the book of John for forever and we barely even cracked it then. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like, and it was know? still like surface level. Every week I'd be like, Man, how do I do this? You know, like, <laughs> like God give me more horsepower in the brain. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like yeah. But God helped me, and I think that God helped us to get deep. But I just, yeah, I really deeply feel this, y'all. Like, I deeply feel this. Like, like we have to have a pursuit of God for ourselves. Amen. And I feel it for our body. That's why I'm harping on it. Like, mm. this is what, this is what Toes is trying to lead us to. But, like, man, he's, he's, he's harping on it. He says eternal life, John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God yeah. and knowing Jesus. Yeah. It's knowing him. Now, do you actually know him? Yeah. Do you know of him? Or do you know of him? Or do you actually know him, I mean? We can yeah. know a lot of stats about somebody. You know, like, the, especially, like, we celebrity is more of a thing now than it is, that's ever been. Yeah. And so we can know all the stats on somebody, mm-hmm. especially, like, an athlete. Like, there's people that know all these stats on athletes. They, they know the yards that they've, that they've run for. They know, all, like, they know any records that they've set, all this different stuff. Yeah. And so imagine, imagine walking into a restaurant, like a fancy restaurant, and there's an athlete, and, and you're like, oh, I know how many yards he threw last yeah. year. And you're like, yo, what's up? I know you. And he'd look at me like, I don't know. And he, he would say this. He'd say, depart from me, evildoer. <laughs> I never knew yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, yeah, but you threw this many yards. And, you yeah. know, you, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I bought the jersey. And, but, like, he'll say, no, I never knew you. No, you got drafted in 2016. Because there was, never a real, yeah. there was never a real relationship that was there. And I think that's where so many people in the body of Christ are. And if you didn't catch it, I was referring to a scripture mm-hmm. where yep. Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. And, and he'll say, on the, he says, on the day of reckoning, reckoning, many will cry, Lord, Lord. Mm. And, and he'll say, depart from me, is evildoer, I never knew you. And they say, didn't we cast out demons and heal the sick and prophesy in your name? Yeah. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
like it's only those who do the will of my Father yeah. uh, who will inherit the kingdom. And so, yeah, so it's about doing his will, and it's really about knowing him. There's this relational thing that Tozer's trying to invite us into. And I think that unless you're willing to humble yourself, then you, you also won't get it. Because so many people in the church are too prideful to say, maybe I don't actually know him. Maybe I just know a lot about him. Mm. Mm. They're too prideful to, say, to come before God and to get real. Yeah. And unless you come as a babe, mm. <laughs> total babe, unless you come as a babe, humbled and not worried about all that pretense and all yeah. that, that prideful crap, unless you come like that, then you can't really come at God. Mm. And like this, this man... God's tearing me up with this. Like, for for the listeners, don't think that I'm exempt from this. God has yeah. like really shown me how I've drifted from this. No doubt. Hey, so there's something I'm seeing that He's talking about that I think I'm. Maybe I have a couple questions about it, but I'm starting to understand what He means. Uh, whenever He quotes some stuff in Old English that we had trouble reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Thee thine thouest. Yes. Um, it wasn't, it was like worse than King James. Uh, Is it that I, never mind. Anyway, basically <laughs> he's saying like that that we have to see nope. God for God himself. Yeah. And like not for his, not for his benefits. I yes. Wish, I wish I could find it. No, I remember what you're talking about. Um, And. Oh my God! Lift up thine heart yep. unto God with a meek stirring of love, and mean Himself, and mean Himself and none of His goods. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Like and thereto look thee loath uh, to think aught on aught but God Himself. So like, like would you hate the thought of looking at anything other than God? Yeah. So that not work in thy wit nor in thy will but only God himself, so that yeah. nothing works your mind or your will. No, nothing fills your mind or yeah. your will or your heart other than God himself. This is the work of the soul that most pleaseth God. This yeah. is what pleases God most. So whenever I think about that, I think about students that we run into, or me, that we meet up for a one-on-one. And what I, what I'm hearing is their problems and like what can God do for me? How can God fix my relational trauma? How can God fix my daddy issues? How can God fix my addiction? What can God do about my depression, my anxiety? I don't want to be around people. What's God got to say about that? I could list them all. Um, some Bro. of you listening may may have had those conversations. You probably have if you're listening. If you Bro, you're spitting far. hot fire, brother. What I'm saying is, is like, that that God's not a repair shop and like you can't just go in you can't just go in to get fixed up like that that's not what the kingdom is yeah that's a byproduct you'll certainly Absolutely. leave whole you're certainly like Jesus certainly says like I've come that you can have life to the fullest certainly but it, but but that's not, not that's not what he really rewards exactly he doesn't reward it when you say God, I'm here for I'm here for an exchange of goods. Yeah. Like I'm here, so do what I want yeah. you to do for yeah. me. I'm here for my inheritance. The the word says this. He rewards those who diligently yes. seek him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's kind of what uh like the old the old poem was trying to get at is like this is the work of the soul that most pleaseth God. Hebrews eleven six says that it is impossible to please God 
without this one thing. What is the one thing? Faith. Why? Because you have to believe that he exists, and you have to believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Earnestly seek him. Diligently seek him. Seek him like not just like, oh, I'm kind of looking like, I'm not going to stop until I find God. I'm not going to stop. And I'm not going to seek him for two weeks and give up. I'm not going to seek him for two months and give up. I'm not going to seek him for two years and give up. I'm going to seek, seek, seek until I find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Mm-hmm. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Yeah. That's what that's what he's trying to get us to. And but like because like there's a there is a there's a real sifting that happens in this, I think, that those who aren't really about it. Like this is exactly what happened in Jesus that Jesus's day is there were a lot of people who would come to Jesus and say, uh, "Will you heal me?" And Jesus would say, "Yeah." And there are a lot of people who would say, "Good teacher, this, this, and this," you know. And like, but like, there are a lot of people who are willing to to see him as uh, a savior or a good teacher, but not many who are willing to really see him as king, mm. you know. And not many who are really really willing to pursue him like he was like really their God to really put yeah. him in that place. Yeah. Only only like. 12 on a, on a high degree and then really only 120 there are only 120 that were left in the upper room yeah. praying uh by the time he died and those were the those are the real soldiers those were the ones who were really there for him you know uh by the time he died and rose again you know do you think that do you think there's a word for neglecting neglecting everything else just for god like whenever upon upon like this forsaking like, all others yeah 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 i guess what i'm trying to get to is like a word that gets thrown around it, and the way we talk about it is like you got to die yeah and and whenever you die to everything else yes and and like that is the beginning of being born again is like they're not is like everything else passing away and and on, the only thing now is i have i have to i have to pursue god i'm trying to think about the woman at the well and i don't think we get to see we get to see like her reaction to finding finding jesus and like the way that he uh and and like the way that he ends up satisfying her every need and even like her relational need, her actual water jar needs. I yes. don't. We don't. She forsakes her water, which yeah. is why she came there. So like yeah. everything, everything that she was about, whenever she went to the well, she left being about everything else. Yes. And where she was like, where she was actually thirsty, she didn't even want her water anymore because she had found a well of eternal life. Yeah. Where she had been trying to satisfy herself with, uh with people and even like men where she had had five husbands, the man she's with the sixth guy isn't even her husband, but then Jesus is the seventh man and seven being like a number of completion in Hebrew, uh, Hebrew like worldview. Um, Jesus is the seventh man. And so now her like relational needs are completed in, in Jesus, her, uh, and where she was even like probably definitely an outcast and maybe this is reading into it, but maybe she's an outcast and now she's even like going into her town and like making a scene where she would normally probably be 
not making ashamed. a scene and would yeah. be ashamed. Just trying to get by without being seen. Yes. Like, just like, yeah, just like kind of hiding in the shadows and just getting through it. And like, but, but what I'm trying to say is, is that she, she wasn't, it was only Jesus. And then all of her other stuff was yes. satisfied. So, she, so before she was worried about getting by without being seen. Now she only cares if people see this one thing. And she yeah. literally says, come and see mm-hmm. a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Right. Her theology wasn't even straight. She didn't even, she wasn't even sure what she yeah, believed. She's exactly. like, I'm pretty sure this is the Messiah. You guys got to come see this. You <laughs> yeah. know, like she was like, just come, just come, just come experience him. Yeah. Like for her, it wasn't. Not, now, if you guys will sit down, uh, I'm going to start my lecture at two o'clock and I'm going to convince you of why this man, Jesus, who I met earlier, is the Messiah uh-huh. and why I think that he is. And so if you'll comment too, she was like, no, forget all that. I'm just going to take you straight to the source. Come and experience him for yourself. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we have to be inviting people into is like we're not trying to convince people of a worldview. We're trying to show, introduce people to the one, the one who does it all. The one who is the bread, who is the life, who yes. is the resurrection, who is the, the water. He's all of it. He does it all. He's all we need. Yes. Uh, and just knowing yeah. him does it all for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you're talking about reminds me of what Tozer's talking about at the very end of the chapter. And he says, When the Lord divided Canaan among the tribes of Israel, Levi received no share of the land. And whenever they didn't have land... Oh, man! Oh, I don't get any land! Yeah. Whenever, <laughs> have you ever opened a Christmas present and been disappointed? Yeah. And then you have to act excited. Yeah, An dude. avocado! I'm bad at that. Not me, dude. I'm like... Dang! I'm like... No, I'm just kidding. I actually do act. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say something really stupid. Awesome. A tie. <laughs> so I've opened. This is a fine mug you guys yes. got me. This is a tie with the Star of Bethlehem. In opening Christmas presents. Yeah, I'm okay with t- I'm okay with being sidetracked. I have this terrible habit of talking too much at really bad times. So we're like opening Christmas presents with our family, and I'm like, I'll be down to like my last present. I'll look at my mom and be like, you know what, mom? I'm really glad you didn't get me. Oh, no. Mom, I'm really glad you didn't get me this. Uh, it'll be easier if I have an example. I'm really glad you didn't get. go ahead and get me a camping stove because the jet boil I talked about getting, it really wasn't the one I wanted. I would have wanted the like full one liter version that can hold more fuel and can like boil oh, more no. things. Next present I open. open is a half liter <laughs> jet boil. And I look at my Ooh. mom like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd think Levi might possibly be that. Oh, yeah. Be yeah. disappointed oh, at I'm his Oh, I'm so excited. We're going to the promised land. I get inheritance. Yeah, and then all the other brothers get land, but then the tribe of Levi, God says, I am thy part and in thy inheritance. But Tozer says, and by those words, made him richer than all Come his on. brethren. Come richer on. Richer than what? all the kings and princes who have ever lived in the world. And there is a spiritual principle here, a principle still valid for every high or every priest of the most high God. Bro, come on. Preach, Kevin. I'm excited for what you're going to say. Oh, I just... <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, I said it, man. It's good. I'm about to say something, but I hope... It, <laughs> it may not live well, it up better to be freaking awesome. <laughs> Hope it lives up to your expectations. I'll let um, you know. But what Tozer's saying is he's not saying that like that Levi is going is going to be rich because all of his brothers are going to do X, Y, and Z or mm-hmm. this or that. No, 
Levi is rich because he has God. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not like God will fulfill this. God will do that. It's not. Uh, which he Levi was taken care of. The tribe of Levi was taken care of by the offerings and the worship of yeah. the other tribes. But that's not what Tozer's even trying to talk about right now. Tozer's mm-hmm. not talking about like what what you were talking about of like um, X, Y, and Z will be fulfilled if you if you come to God. Yeah. But like no, once you come to God, you have everything like you have god you can yes um and it's what paul talks about whenever he says like i have found the secret in being content in all circumstances let's go. Let's whether go. or not like i'm locked in prison and starving let's go or dude. i have abundance like let's go i everything is secondary to me because i have god himself let's go bro so it's not necessarily god will like provide this or that but man god if himself. you if you grab a hold of this what kevin's talking yeah. about if you will just take god for what he's worth and realize how blessed you are to have him yeah then then like i'm serious the whole like oh man like <laughs> that attitude yeah. bro like the thing is like i always ask god to give me patience for people i yeah. really do like yeah. i always ask god like but i'm gonna be honest that attitude of like oh man like this, this, and that. So, like, like, that's the hardest thing for me to deal with yeah. for believers. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever it's somebody that's in the world and they don't have Jesus, like, actually, it's like the opposite. Like, I'm actually super compassionate. Yeah. But once somebody has Jesus, I'm like, bro, you got Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, no what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. look at your inheritance. You're rich. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, they're like, yeah, but like, I didn't get this land, you know? And I'm like, I'm like. Oh, like there's almost like a there's yes. like a frustration and there's almost an anger that comes over me because yeah. I'm like you're trampling on the best gift that's ever been given. Yeah, mm. you're trampling on it because you're proclaiming. Yeah, but I don't have this thing. And like he he talks about God and mm-hmm. how we're always looking yeah. for God and yeah. and this is how it kind of works in the opposite is that it's like it's like that heart of like always needing something more than God. Mm. Well, well, it, it's like it sets you up for failure. It sets you up for. For like, well, what, you're not you're not gonna have all the things that you want, and you're always mm-hmm. gonna be able to find a reason why you've been shortchanged. Yeah, always. And like, and 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 for me, like the perspective that I've been given by spending time overseas and stuff like that, and and probably being tempered through the word is like, like that's another reason why it's hard for me to complain to myself or to hear other people complain because even if I didn't have the word of God that was like your inheritance is God, I'm like, I'm like. Well, we sure got it a whole lot better than a lot of other people in this world. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm, so like yeah. uh so you're always gonna be able to find a reason why you've been shortchanged. And if you if you if you come at it from the other side, you can always find a reason why you're super fortunate, right? There's always gonna be somebody that has it better than you. There's always gonna be somebody that has it worse than you. Yeah. But if you can just stop looking at all that crap and look at Jesus, yeah, look at him. Yeah, he's beautiful. Look at him. Like, we talked about, like, how you can't know somebody by one exchange. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was wooed by God on my first real exchange from him. When I tasted him, it was like a drug. It was like, I don't want anything else other than this. Yeah. I was wooed by him. But I didn't know him at that point. You know? It was it was exchange after exchange of me being in my room by myself, just praying, just seeking him, just reading the word, just singing, playing playing my my guitar that I played terribly and singing terribly to him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where like all this stuff was developed inside of me that gave me like gave me everything I could ever need in him. Yep. He's beautiful. Yep. And if you he's so lovely that if you look at him long enough you're going to fall in love with him. He's so good 
that if, and he's so, he's so complete that if you spend enough time with him, you will be completed. Like, this is, this is just what it all comes down to for me. And like, if we can help people to grab a hold of this, if we can help people to actually look at Jesus, yeah. actually pursue him, and mm-hmm. actually develop this kind of relationship with him, that's what we're going to give them that's going to help them. I can give you all the theology and give you all the right beliefs, but you've got nothing if you don't have this. Yeah. The woman yeah. at the well got something that, that the Pharisees never had. Yeah. And she didn't even have her theology straight. She's like, I think he's a Messiah. Yeah. They, I guess in that regard, they didn't have their theology study either. They didn't believe he was Messiah. But. I think a common common thought that I have and that, that I see people have just about different things is it's like, man, if I if I follow Jesus, it's there is like this com- complaint. If, oh, I got to go to fall retreat or... Or which what they're really saying is, oh, I got to give up my free time. Yes, man. I got to give up my weekend. Or, yes. uh, I'm on leadership. I got to quit drinking. I can't drink anymore. I can't smoke anymore. I was at a wedding this weekend, and uh, some guys asked me if I wanted a mojito, and I was like, nah. I was like, no, nah, I, I don't drink. Like, I'm just committed. I'm just not drinking. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like not. And you were not, like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> at first, I was like, <laughs> I oh, and, oh, they're sorry for asking me. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But, sorry, but I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm sorry. No, but you're right. <laughs> what they were saying sorry about is like sorry that you don't drink. And I'm like, so, oh, I'm sorry I, that you have to be dependent on that. Whenever I realized what they were saying, I got so like frustrated. We were playing ping pong when it happened, and I got so mad. I was like. What do you mean you're sorry that I don't <laughs> Yeah. You don't get it. And it just highlights to me there's like that that whenever we are thinking that way, whenever we think like, oh man, I gotta go to staff meeting, I gotta give up my Monday morning to Ooh, or preach, if there's bro. anything preach. if there's anything in me that like starts to complain about like not seeing things right. It's so clear that like, dude, you're not getting it right now, Noah. You think that you're entitled to like something more than just God and what God has for you right now. Like, Oh, I got to give up my weekend to go to, to go to fall retreat, or I got to give up my Monday night to go to service. Or, uh, I would have to quit playing video games for two hours to go to D group. It's like, bro, obviously you don't want to want God. Yeah. Obviously, like, like something's got to change. And if you're listening and, like, I'm not trying to sound, like, crass or, like, insensitive. Because hear me, I'm talking to myself. Like, I mean this for me, for, for Noah. If if this is hitting and, like, you have these thoughts that are, like, that are, like, complaining about having anything to do with God. Or, like, if, if you're complaining about not getting something whenever you are... are in community or with God or whatever. I'm, I, I'm trying to complete my thought here. Something's wrong. For sure. And and this is the litmus test, is if you are upset about, about not having the and, something's got to change. You got to ask God, God, just I want God. to want you. Just Make God me want enough. you more. Yeah. It's got to be just God. That's so good, man. Just God is enough. Yeah, to be honest, like I've never understood... I, like, like again, I'd spent so much time alone with God that whenever I got the chance to spend 
time in community of people that love God, I was like, I was like, I was in three different D groups my freshman year mm-hmm. because I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I get to go into a room full of everyone and they all genuinely just want to know God. Mm-hmm. I was like stoked on it, dude. There's a couple stories that, that I want to tell real quick. One is my dad, my dad was in uh, Campus Crusades for Christ when he was in college at Arkansas State. It's, it's crew now. Uh, but mm. but that ministry really like affected my dad and helped him and like uh, helped him to pursue Jesus and so different different people came along and and different people found the Lord and were radically saved during that time and one of them was this like massive like six four two hundred fifty pounds of muscle baseball player and he was so radically saved and like that he would like my dad was like one time they were in an elevator uh, and. <laughs> This guy gets in with a beer in his hand, and the guy, like, this massive man is so burdened. He's, like, looking at this guy, and, like, you know, he's tried to find his his joy from from a beer can, you know? Like, mm-hmm. trying to be, he's tried to be cheered by that, and now he's found Jesus, and he's so burdened, and he doesn't mean anything offensive, but what his response is he just looks at it, he grabs the beer out of the man's hand, and just crushes it in his giant <laughs> hand, and says, you don't need this man. You need Jesus, you know? And the guy is, like, looking up at him like, okay, man, like, whatever you say, you know? Like, like just like, and so, like, but the guy, that, that image is vivid in my mind because, like, it's like the guy didn't mean anything by it. He wasn't trying to force him, but he's just so burdened. He's like, you just need Jesus. You got to hear this, you know? Mm-hmm. And my dad's in the corner just laughing, you know? Like, uh, and the other story I forgot by now, but, uh, but I'm sure it must have been good, you know? <laughs> but that that image is in my mind. Uh, I think the other one may have been just thinking about how uh, it's always been an honor for me to get to be a part of things. Oh, here's what it was. It's usually been an honor. Uh, but let me tell you a story when, when God had to correct my perspective. Hmm. is It was my first year of marriage. Any of you guys who know me, you've probably heard me talk about how I didn't do a good job. I was like... Uh, uh, I didn't do a good job of like taking care of my wife. I was doing like most a lot of weeks, uh, at least like eighty to ninety hours a week of just ministry stuff. But some some weeks even up over a hundred hours a week. So like all of my time, my waking time was given to ministry stuff. So physically, I was doing a lot. I was waking up really early in the mornings and going to bed really late. Spiritually, I was doing a lot, but I was like so fed by it because I was seeing God move in so many powerful ways. But there was one time I was driving to North Little Rock to do a D group with the football team there with these guys that, like, I cared so deeply for that had no church background that, like, had uh, – a lot of them had pretty rough upbringing where, like, uh, where, like, like they're telling stories about, like, robbing people and shooting people's houses up, uh, and they're, like, 16 and 17, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but then also, you know – a little while later, 20 minutes later, they're they're crying because their grandma passed away, and she's the only one who's ever really cared about them, you know, like, uh, so, like, just this incredible opportunity where they're all hungry to know God, so they're gathering together in this house, and I'm driving there one Tuesday night in my, my Jeep, and I'm, like, so tired, and I say to the Lord, I'm like, God, I'm just tired, and God didn't give me, like, he, God didn't give me like a five-hour energy drink spiritually, uh, like, and and that's it. What he did is he changed my perspective, and that's what energized me. And like, let me tell you how he changed my perspective. I realized that I was about to enter a room full of young men who were there for no other reason than to know God. 
and I was about to enter a room full of young men that were going to be attentive ears, that these weren't the kind of kind of kids that, like, they were there because their, their parents were part of a church, and they were making them go to the youth group. Like, all these kids were just there because they wanted to know God. And, like, just through that, God changed the perspective, and I was like, what an honor to get to sit with these young men, and yeah. what an honor to get to pursue God with them, you know? A change in perspective is what energizes and gives life. So, like, it shouldn't be, man, I have to sacrifice uh, time that I would have spent on Facebook or uh, Netflix or YouTube because I'm supposed to do this thing as a Christian where, like, I read the Bible and pray. It should be like, oh, Lord, thank you that you've given me your word and that I get to connect with you in a real way, that yes. I get to experience your Holy Spirit in real ways. Thank you that I get to pursue you in this way. And I'm saying that knowing that, like, like my heart is led astray in that way, too. But, like, but I don't say that as, like, a thing to, like, say, therefore, you know, it's, like, no, not that big of a deal. To me, this is the biggest deal. Like, if we're, if we're settled with, like, just a, kind of a false religion, then, like, that's the biggest deal to me. Because not only are we robbing ourselves, but we're robbing the world of what God wants to be doing through us. If you want to see the, world, the evil of the world be stopped, then we've got to do this. We've got to be close to God. And then we will be the agents through which God stops the evil as we bring the kingdom of God, right? Yeah, and so this is the biggest deal. So let God change your perspective and, and realize the, the privilege it is to, to have a God who actually wants to know you uh, and come like with that gratefulness, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry, I know I talked a lot. No, no, no. Did you guys have any uh, any additions, multiplications? <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I just hate that. That's what, like, I hate that about about me. Like, yeah. you know, and I know that I know the times. Yeah, I don't need to defend myself before myself right now. Like, I know the times in my life that I've, <laughs> I know the times in my life that I've cared most um, about God and have been the least complacent. And then I know the times in my life or the times in my week that I am enthralled with his word. Yeah. And with his presence and am satisfied and then driven by a desire to either like be a good steward of what he's given me or of, of my time, which is something he's given me, or like I'm driven by like his love for people. The thing that divides those two like times of my life where I am either really for God or against God is is like what what I'm conforming to or really like I'm everything in my mind right now is being filtered through Romans 12 but it's about my input and what I am allowing myself to focus on and whatever I yes. whenever yes. I just input whenever I input like microwave meal after microwave meal after microwave meal of, of like 
of like intuition or of like information or like videos I'm watching or like shows I'm watching or even like hobbies, mountain biking, climbing, whenever I am like the focus of my like being is on the things that I enjoy and my like actual visible, visible world around me. Whenever I become obsessive over those things, uh, and yeah, it makes it so hard for me to like shift gears into, well, I want to be, I just want to be with God. Yeah. Like, because I'm so, yeah, it's about it's about my my input. Like yeah. I, I get so d- like distracted, and it makes it harder to, harder to come around to to like oh yeah God like I'm supposed to be doing this with you, but there's also times in my life where I'm like okay God, I'm doing everything with you, and this is all about you, so we're about to do this together, and then I do all the things. I, the, everything I just listed, uh, mountain biking, climbing, uh, l- being at home with my wife, even watching a show with her or uh, watching a video on my phone by myself or doing whatever, and I'm still with the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's not like, and I'm not saying this as a justification. It's like, oh, well, I can still do all these things and or even things that are bad, inherently bad, and still be with God. But like, my perspective is totally changed. Like, I can live my whole day uh, with God. Yes. I'm saying all this because I used to think, and if this is all it was, it would be okay, okay? Mm-hmm. I used to think that, um, I used to I used to complain that, like, oh, man, I hope I get around to this, because what, what it sounds like I'm saying is not what I mean. Oh, I'm having trouble. Go for it, okay. bro. We're listening. Uh, my, I used to think that it's like, man, I don't get, I don't get anything, whenever I follow God, and like, I'm just gonna get to the point where I like, because here it is. This is what I mean to say. I enjoy something, without God. So if I follow God, then I have to stop liking that thing. You know what I mean? Or this, like, Father Heart of God issue that is God doesn't want me to have nice things. Because if I'm enjoying something, then that means I'm enjoying something that isn't God. What I'm, like, recognizing is that God, like, not something I'm recognizing currently. God wants us to find pleasure in the things he's created. And he wants to do things with us. Like, Dick Schroeder told me that, like, Hey man, instead of like going on hikes to escape, like go on a hike with the Lord mm-hmm. and do it with him. Yes. Uh or or instead of like doing all the things that you enjoy and feeling like they're separating you from the Lord, recognize that he gave you those things to worship him mm-hmm. and find a way to make like everything you're doing worship. Find the yes. way find a way to make things intimate with the Lord. Uh it took me a really long time to get around to that. But what yeah. I'm trying to say is my sole purpose in life has to be Jesus and everything else becomes even better with him. Um, yeah, I'm just going to be done talking because I keep rambling <laughs> on, but that's what <laughs> I'm trying fine, to get man. around to. You're fine. That it's all about, it's yeah. all about being with no, him. No, I think, I think that's good. And I think that's the lesson that, that God was trying to teach the Israelites when he withheld the promised land from them. 
Like, of course, he wants good things for us, and he made good. He made a good thing specifically for them. Uh, but he, but he saw that their hearts were gonna fixate on the thing, and not the one, not the person. Yeah. And so, in following God, I don't get. I don't get anything. I get someone. Yeah. And through him, kind of, I get everything, right? Uh, but just according to how he wants to give it, you know, it's like a surrender of my. It's a surrender of my will and of everything to him. You yeah. Know? Uh, so he sent them into the desert to, 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 so that they would receive everything from him, everything they needed, and the manna, the cloud, all of it. You know, we could, mm-hmm. we could, the water, we could talk about all that, but they received everything they needed straight from him to teach them a lesson that he was their everything. Yeah. When we, when, if you let yourself fall in love with God, then whatever sacrifice you would give for him doesn't feel like sacrifice. Mm. It just doesn't. It's an honor to give whatever we can because we're actually seeing him, seeing how worthy he is of it. Yeah. When we get to heaven, we will want to lay our crowns down. We're not going to begrudgingly lay these beautiful crowns down on his feet. We'll want to lay our crowns down. And yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll have made habit of it throughout our, our whole life of whatever we can, we're laying it down at his feet. Mm-hmm. Get to heaven. Yeah. Whenever we stand before him. I love you, Lord. Will you help us? Will you help us, God? Will you help me? I think the main thing I wanna I wanna end this on is I wanna help any anyone who's listening. I wanna help you I'm not trying to rail on us because we're not doing good enough in this area. Like uh that's not that's not the main thrust of what I'm trying to do. If you need to hear that, then hear that though. Um that's fine with me, you know, like but the main thrust of what I want to do here is help you all to see Jesus so that you can fall in love with him. So that you'll want to give him all of this. So that you'll want to pursue him. I don't know if you've ever been in love. But if you have, it's something like that. But it's, it's a lot more than that, to be honest. To where you daydream about him. To where you want to spend all your time with him. Yeah. What do you want? Where are you staying, Jesus? Come and you will see. Yeah, I want to want to stay with him. And I want that to motivate me to follow after him and to only see him. Yeah, so I think that might be a good place to end. Yeah. Um, obviously we're talking about the most important things in the world. <laughs> yeah. So we could talk about them all day. And honestly, we're y'all just so you know, we're probably going to leave here and we got to drive to Conway, but we're probably going to be talking about this stuff even more. It's a, uh, it's a fun thing to get to do pursuing oh, God yeah. with these men that are sitting beside me where we can talk about the stupidest things, uh, and also the most important things almost yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love you guys. Uh, Kevin, we pray over us, man. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Sure. Yeah, Jesus, um, I just pray that you would bless the listeners, whoever's, whoever is listening right now. I just pray that you would bless them. I pray that um, you would burn in our hearts a desire, yes, that you would birth inside of us a desire to draw near to you and not to just fill our minds with knowledge um, or with uh, just with like even doctrine even the doctrine's not a wholly bad thing, 
but I, I want us to fill our souls with you and you alone. Um, not just thoughts and facts about you, but you yourself and that we would be relating to you and that all the things around us, um, while we do, while we are grateful and we cherish them, um, that they are only like they are very secondary to us and that we could lose them and still have lost nothing because we still hold on to you. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I just just bless our listeners and pray that you would help us to um, in the same things that we would we would want to want you, Lord. Yes, God. We love you, Jesus. Help us to love you more.